go, guys. It's Monday. Ready to rock and roll. I'm hitting it strong. Right up front. Let's go. All right, guys. This is the Power Hour. This is the Trade Idea Show. Let's dive into it for the day, for the week. Tired of getting left behind on winning trades? Join Benzinga's free masterclass on July 24th to learn how to spot breakout trades before they skyrocket. Featuring live interactive lessons on how to trade meme stocks, read charts, identify trends, and so much more. To register for free, go to events.benzinga.com. It's a red day, so I'm bringing a little a little bit extra today, okay? It's a red day. We all need a little bit of help. Buys down about 1.7%. Uh, brutal. Don't worry. We were at all-time highs a couple days ago, okay? If we zoom out, here, here's the daily candles, right? We're looking at one-year daily candles. Uh, we we are, are red, red today. Worst day in, in a long while. That's all right. We'll get some ideas going. My, my first buy-the-dip stock of the day. More to come. Voyager Digital stock is down 8% today, 10.50. Brutal run, uh, down about what 40% over over the past several sessions. Um, so 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 take a look at what I'm what I'm looking at on this stock. So, all right, Voyager Digital crypto brokerage, not exchange. They they connect to all the exchanges. Here's why I think this one is interesting. We, we had this press release come out from the company last week. They're, they're expecting their, their revenue for the quarter that just ended. Granted, this, this was a huge quarter, but their revenue for the quarter that just ended to be somewhere between 103 and $107 million, okay? The previous quarter revenue was $65 million, okay? Revenue increased from $65 million to $100 million. What is that? It's about a 50% hop on a quarter over a quarter basis, uh, and yet the stock is still getting killed. We're sitting at a $1.5 billion market cap right now. So I'm pulling out my trusty calculator, $1.5 billion. I have $400 million revenue run rate. The stock is trading at less than four times its price to sales multiple, okay? We're talking about a company that's in a good... Uh, you can't say a good space. Crypto space is a little tough right now. It's at least in a decent space, right? It, it's in the crypto space. They, they Again, they grew revenue from 60 million to 100 million quarter over quarter. And the stock is trading at less than four times revenue. I mean, that is like like bottom of the barrel value prices. The S&P 500 trades at more, more than four times sales. And so for that reason, Voyager Digital is going on my buy the dip list. First idea of the day. The company also bought back stock. Uh, they had so much cash flow that that they bought back stock. There it is, two, 250,000 shares. I expect that they're going to continue to buy back stock if the price continues to sell off. Um, and so there's first idea of the day on our buy the dip list. PYGVF, uh, I'm putting it into my buy list, all right? Boom. Let's, let's let's read out some of these other tickers out of the chat that, that you guys had on your list for a red day like today. We have R-E-C-A-F. Uh, AMC is on there. Let, let's do a, a quick little AMC price check. Um, AMC off another 6.5% today. Um, tough, especially with, with some of like the Delta variant headlines that have been floating around. I don't think that, that we're going to see any sort of mass exodus of, of theaters shutting down again. You never know. Uh, it could be a California thing, but generally speaking, I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. Uh, Neo, 
Let's pull Neo up. It was down pre-market, now ba- battling its way back up to flat. Uh, the headline for Neo, guys, this is, this is our Chinese EV maker, the, Ch- the Chinese Tesla competitor. Uh, that the headline to look out for on Neo is that there's this company called Xpeng, another public company. Uh, they they announced a really cheap vehicle and started taking pre-orders for that vehicle. Uh, it, it's below twenty five thousand dollars USD, um, and, and so so that headline w- w- was hitting Neo earlier um in the day uh and then one more that i see on your your buy the dip list idxx idx labs wow that is a strong chart this chart that we're looking at here it's it's daily candles one year chart i mean this is just a straight march higher uh if we go ahead and we zoom in we're pretty much right at those highs we have the cluster high 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 uh sitting right here what is that 671 or so um, if you get a break above that, I think the stock starts to look really interesting. Uh, I'm going to put this one on our list for later in the week too. We've got to do some research on this stock. I mean, out of nowhere, stocks up hundred percent over the past year. And I mean, that is a straight March higher over the past couple months. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you doing on this, this fine Monday afternoon? We are very excited that you're joining us today. Well, thanks. Thanks. I, I really love what you guys are doing at Benzinka, you are particularly appealing, I think, to uh, young investors, and uh, you make it fun as well as uh, really insightful. Thousands and thousands of publicly traded companies. Are, are there any traits that you found of, of good leaders um, that, that subsequently make good investors and in, in some of the things that, again, the individual investor can look into? Well, I, I would narrow my perspective to uh, companies that are trying to change the game. Companies that are trying to either invent a new industry, invent a new category, uh, trying to bring uh, science or technology in uh, to reimagine what that industry might be. Because there's no reason for a new company to come into an incumbent industry unless you can come in and do something in a better way. So what I look for is uh, leadership that is insatiably curious. Uh, leadership that's willing to take risks, leadership that has a passion for what they do, and it shows through the culture of the company. And someone who is able to recruit great talent, because you never build great companies with just one person. So that sounds like a you know pretty easy list, but then you start matching that up against how many people can actually you know, live up to that, and it's uh, relatively small. Okay. And I mean, you, you, you've had such a career with everything from, from launching the Pepsi challenge to, to running and growing Apple. Um, and you're still involved with, with numerous companies. Is that what you look for when you're making the decision? Hey, is this something that I want to be a part of and, and help this, this company to succeed? Well, my, my role today is different than it was when I was a CEO of a company. Uh, I'd love mentoring new talent coming up. And so I think the biggest kind of give back I can uh, do for the next generation is to uh, help them learn from my mistakes, help them learn from uh, having been involved in so many different industries. I've been in wireless technology. I've been in, uh, you know, launch companies uh, for cell phone services. I've launched companies in, in, in uh, biotech companies in uh, all kinds of uh, healthcare. So I'm pretty wide ranging in the types of things I'm involved with, but but the principles are always the same. You know, there are only a small number of people who are going to be really good at changing the industry, being a true innovator, 
and I try to look for that type of talent. And then uh, if they want me to help them, then you know I love doing that. I can only do it with a small number of companies at any one time. And my wife, Diane, who is a, a computer uh, engineer and a mathematician, and I work very closely. All of our investments are in uh, companies that involve uh, transformational technology. So are you still involved with PeopleTicker? We, we sold uh, PeopleTicker very successfully last year. You did? Okay, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's cool data based play on salaries and Pete, like I thought it was a cool company. So yeah, no, it was, it's a cool company and uh, yeah, it, it was turned out very well for everybody. Yeah. And how do you typically, I mean, you're well known. How, how do you typically filter out, um, you know, deal flow that comes to you? Is it usually just like a personal reference or, you know, personal intro or do you get cold emails? Like how, how do you typically uh, filter out stuff like that? Well, I'm not looking for companies. Yeah, uh, people come to me. You know, we get uh, probably you know hundreds a week of, of people. You know, most of which you know we're not going to uh, have much much interest in. Uh, I, I tend to pay the most attention to um, people who are able to explain uh, very clearly what it is that they want to want to do. But one of the things I learned from Steve Jobs. Remember, Steve lived an amazing life. He was able to. Uh, reinvent four industries. He reinvented the computer industry, the entertainment industry with Pixar, the phone industry with the iPhone, you know, and the music industry with, with the iPod. Uh, so that's an amazing accomplishment. And so it's a high bar uh, for anyone to equal that. One of the good examples of what you're asking me uh, is a company in the, in the biotech field, uh, which was started by uh, a, a good friend of mine, Bob Hariri. Uh, and trying to live up to the kind of uh, uh, brilliance that a Steve Jobs has is pretty hard. But what's interesting with Bob Harari is that he is a scientist. He had a passion for uh, believing that you could take the placental blood cord stem cells, uh, which are coming from the umbilical cord when a child is born. That's a time when the uh, mother is pretty much immune from most things. And so Bob had this idea about 16 years ago that you could actually make that a source material for cancer therapies. And he worked at it for a long, long time before I ever met him. Then in 2016, uh, he came to me uh, and he said, look, I'm going to start a company and I want to take it public and I'd love you to be a part of it. And so he asked me to be one of his uh, vice chairman. And it's just incredible what's happened from 2016 to where we are today. We just went, uh, just finished despacking. Uh, days ago. And so we're now trading, you know, under our own name as uh, cellularity and uh, we're doing pretty well. But, but the more, most important thing is uh, what I learned with Steve Jobs is the ability to look ahead. And in Steve's case, he could see what would be obvious to the rest of us, maybe 20 years into the future. What Bob Hariri is doing uh, is in many ways analogous to that because he's looked ahead and said, why can't we take these placental blood cord stem cells and have a new role for stem cells from this source for cancer therapies or for regenerative medicine. And that's exactly what he's done. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing journey. I'm excited to be on it. And um, I plan to be involved with this for quite a few years into the future. Because you, you just finished the despacking process, right? We, we have, yeah. And so the company's in great shape. You know, uh, what you do during the de-spacking process, as I'm sure uh, you know, is that that's when you have to uh, be like the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. You have to transform from a 
private company into the uh, very challenging regulatory environment as a public company. And uh, that's what we did. Uh, we uh, built out a $75 million factory, uh, the only factory in the cell therapy world, which is using a, a continuous manufacturing process, which enables us to take this life source material that Bob has been working on for years and take it into so many different directions and then ultimately be able to dramatically disrupt the pricing for these outrageously expensive uh, cell therapy. So uh, our, our vision, really Bob's vision that we all support is this, we believe, has a, an amazing future ahead of it uh, for all kinds of uh, cancer diseases. And um, and so I know because we have three kids and, and I know we pay for, for that, but not for this part of the research. But I we get these bills where they have where they store the what you're talking about. But I didn't know the cancer part of it. Like that's a new thing, new oh. take on it. Right. Well, well, we actually have at Cellularity the largest life bank in the world. You do. For, for storing uh, the placental blood cord stem cells. It, it just takes a small amount. Um, and. <clears throat> We're able to use those placental uh, stem cells for all different types of things. We're doing regenerative medicines with another company called the United Therapeutics, a public company, uh, working on yep. uh, developing synthetic lungs. A million people need a lung transplant, 40,000 get it a year. You know, huge change for society if we can be successful. This will take several years uh, and get through the FDA process, but that's just one of the things that uh, we're, we're doing. We're working on longevity. Now, with our regenerative medicine, but the highest priority right now is what we're doing with our cell therapies, with uh, the uh, AML, uh, which is leukemia, uh, which is acute myeloid leukemia and a very, very serious uh, life-threatening disease. And, and we're also working with multiple myeloma, another uh, serious cancer. And we're, we're working with glioblastoma, a brain cancer. So the range of uh, opportunities with this amazing material of the placental blood cord stem cell is just extraordinary. And, and Bob Hariri had the vision. Uh, he started this over 16 years ago and he put the team together. We've got an amazing uh, team of talent and um, we're just in the right place at the right time, we believe. And the, and the symbol, the symbol, symbol C-E-L-U? Yes. D-E-L-U, that's the new symbol, right? Correct. Okay. And so switching from that a little bit, you, you've been involved with many successful companies from Hotwire to Interlinks. Is, is, was it because a person you like that was doing both those companies or other companies, or it's just that you're able to like see, see where the, you know, the puck's going before I could read your Wikipedia and people will be like, holy, holy S word. Uh, Hotwire, I was brought in uh, by TPG uh, because they wanted my marketing background and they were big investors in the airline industry. They watched what price uh, line was able to do successfully. And they said, hey, you know, we can do that, but even, even better. And so uh, I was involved with that. We built it up in uh, less than two years and we sold it to Barry Diller for uh, $780 million, which is a pretty good outcome for a couple of years work. Uh, I was involved with the founding as the founding team of Metro PCS, we built that up, uh, eventually sold it for $9 billion to T-Mobile. And, and the, the more recent ones are uh, Zeta Global, which is a company which I co-founded uh, with my long-term partner, David Steinberg. We just took that uh, through an IPO process. It's now a public company. Yep. And we are really uh, 
we think positioned to be one of the uh, big leaders in marketing automation. You know, we have um, you know, profitability. We're growing incredibly fast. We have a great team. We have about 1,500 people in the company. And uh, those are just some examples. Yeah. And, 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 this, um, and this Zeta Global, I mean, David has also built multiple companies from zero to a huge company. Yeah, um, and I've been his co-founder each time he's done that, for at least for public companies. Right, got it. We don't use Zeta Global Benzinga. I mean, we we're like a HubSpot shop. Yeah, but is that gonna, is that going to compete with uh, HubSpot and stuff? Uh, Zeta Global. Yeah, I mean, is it? Well, well the way to think of of, of Zeta. Yep. If you look at the uh, footprint of the big uh, marketing automation platforms, uh, the largest is Facebook, about two hundred and forty million members. The second largest is Google, about two hundred. 10 million members, and the third is Zeta Global. We have uh, 204 million. Uh, we have uh, what uh, many people have uh, you know, said is, is the most advanced uh, technology with uh, MLAI, machine learning and artificial intelligence. And we have some of the biggest uh, companies in the United States that are using our service. So uh, what happens with, with a large advertiser, they don't bet on just one uh, platform. They'll do multiple. They have so much money to put to work. Uh, they'll have maybe Facebook and Google, but they'll also have us. And so it's it's a, it's a very good uh, place place to be. Yeah, and and it's and you guys have done acquisitions like discuss and yeah, we we've done a lot of acquisitions. Uh, the reality is, if you want to grow a company and you can bring in the talent from from uh, smaller companies, uh, one of our great skill sets at, at Zeta Global is David Steinberg is a master at being able to negotiate acquisitions, bring them in, and then our COO and CFO and our other team members are terrific at, at integrating that acquisition into our uh, platform. And what that means is we can take a small company that may be losing money, integrate it in just a few months, and have it not only growing much faster, but also making money. So that's that's a pretty good repeatable uh, formula we have. Yeah, I like Zeta, and you and you brought some people over from Trade Desk, which is another top. Yeah, company. well, well, Trade Desk is a huge success, yep. and uh, we just brought our chief marketing officer in from Trade Desk. We brought our uh, yep. head of investor relations in from Twitter. So you know, we are getting the attention of people in some of the best companies in the world. So, so you're getting pretty hands on with all these companies, from Celerity to Zeta Global. Like I didn't, you know, you knew that you guys brought on Crystal, Crystal from yes. uh, Trade Desk. Uh, that, uh, and that's what you got to do, right? I mean, that's, that's what, what you, want. you know. It's it's all about talent. You know, you got to have uh, really talented people. Well, how do you get extraordinary talented people? You have talented uh, CEO leadership at the top. You know, people want to work for a CEO who creates a culture uh, which is fun to be a part of, which uh, is able to draw a lot of talent. It takes bench strength in many different ways. It's never done by one person. And uh, David Steinberg is a perfect example of that. I mean, and he's done it before. And um, uh, we're actually working on companies we're going to bring out in the future too. So uh, it's really fun for me because I'm not doing the day-to-day -day work, but, I, but I'm deeply involved in um, so many of the things that go on in each of these companies because I have you know, a, a background in technology and operations and marketing and, you know, you know yep. all of the different functions. 
Yeah, no, I, and I, I'm glad you brought this thing up. We're gonna have to bring David on the show because we got to talk about Zeta Global. I mean, I didn't realize how. Oh, oh you really ought, ought to do that. I mean, he, he's better at talking about it than than I am. I mean, you know, nothing like a passionate founder CEO who really knows what he's talking about, and he wouldn't be uh, able to successfully recruit the people he has in this company over a period of years um, if he wasn't able to be that kind of leader. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you said, it's the team, the team, the team, and um, and a passionate founder CEO like Steve Jobs was, etc. Um, you know, like he, Steve Jobs, like worked hard to bring you in, and the only person that was going to bring you in was the founder person who had that passion to say the sugar water line, right? That yeah. fam- that we famously hear about all the time. Um, yeah, yeah well, so. and that's a true story. But I, I Is had it? actually. Uh, uh, Steve and I had spent five months getting together every weekend, getting to know each other, talking about things. You know, how did we, you know, think we could work together and so forth. And at the end of it, uh, I was standing on the terrace of a new apartment he just bought at the San Remo Tower, which is now owned by Bono. Uh, and uh, I looked at Steve and I said, you know, Steve, I've thought about it a long time. I'm not coming to Apple. And Steve Jobs, and this is when he was, you know, 27 years old. Uh, so he had jet black hair, very dark uh, you know, eyebrows. And he got about 18 inches away from me. He was in his black turtleneck sweater, even in those days. And he looks at me very intensely and he says, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? I was then CEO of Pepsi. Or do you want to come with me and change the world? Now, that's so classic Steve Jobs. I mean, he had this ability to know how to say exactly the right thing at exactly the right time time. And so the, the big insight about Steve, uh, he was not an engineer, but he knew how to recruit really good engineering talent. You know, but he had amazing intuition. And the brilliance of his intuition was shaped by what Steve used to call zooming. He'd say, uh, what you got to do if you're going to really change an industry is you got to zoom out, you know, but look at the boundaries of your industry. Nothing happens in the middle of your industry. All the innovation happens on the edge. And look at the other industries that may be abutting against your industry that may actually converge into it. And that's where innovation takes, takes place. And then once you get that context of uh, what is happening and then start to project what, what could happen, that was Steve's brilliance. He could see the obvious uh, you know, 20 years ahead of the rest of us. Then you have to simplify. So you zoom out to do the former, and then you zoom in to simplify. You see everything in, in each one of Steve Jobs' brilliant successes. He was constantly simplifying. How did he simplify? Brilliant design. It was always about design. and was always about user experience at every one of the, these uh, industries that, that he uh, reinvented. And so you say, okay, there are a set of first principles. And I was there with Steve when, when he was creating and I was helping him the first principles that are still in place in Apple today. If you do it right and build a culture uh, correctly from the beginning, those first principles stick. And they're there in Apple and you can see them in Amazon and you can see them in other, other companies too. Getting the first principles right, you know, communicating them, getting people to believe passionately with what you do. And you build the right foundations and, you, and the right vision, you can build great companies. Got it. And, and no, that was amazing. And I, I just want one more question on that on the industry things that you were talking about was Steve looking at it, like the travel industry is doing this. How can that affect our business? Or would he look at those other industries to say, 
this is what's happening here. We can apply the same kind of industry dynamics and competitive moat to our industry. Like what was using it as an example or to see how it impact your industry. Now, what Steve always said. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. You got to think with, with, with your right brain as well as your left brain. You know, our left brain is, is pretty analytic. Our right brain is pretty creative. He always said that what people in the technology world miss is that it's not just about the invention uh, of what you can extract from the science or the technology or the mathematics, um, but it's making it approachable to humans. So each of the industries that he had reinvented uh, ultimately were defined by uh, how well consumers wanted to accept what he created, you know, whether it was Pixar and digital animation, whether it was the iPhone that, that you know, reinvented the, the phone, whether it was the computer, which uh, I can remember back in the early days, I'd been at Apple for about three months. I'm sitting around in the Macintosh engineering lab with Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. It's late at night because that's when things got done in Silicon Valley in the tech world. And Steve and Bill are having a conversation and they're talking about uh, their differences of how they thought about the future of computing. And Bill Gates said, well, it's pretty obvious to me that the future of computing is software. Now, prior to Bill Gates inventing shrink wrap software, software in the computer industry, this is mini computers and mainframes, was given away for free. Steve, uh, and, and really Bill said, uh, you know, the future is not about the hardware. It's about the software. And he said, I'm going to uh, create and own the software in this industry. And he did. And, and uh, that's why Microsoft is uh, as valuable as it is. Steve, on the other hand, saw things in a different way. And I, I'll just tell you quickly, uh, one time, Steve used to like to take me with him when he would go visit some of the people who were heroes in his mind. And one of them was uh, Dr. Edwin Land, Land, who invented the Polaroid camera. So after Dr. Land had been fired by his uh, board and he opened up a lab on the Charles River in Boston, Steve said, let's go up and visit Dr. Land. So we go up there and we're sitting there in a big conference room and Steve and Dr. Land are talking. I'm just kind of, you know, a witness. Uh, and they're talking about where do great products come from? And uh, Dr. Land said, you know, I don't really invent these products. He said, they've always been there, but they've been invisible. And what I do is I reveal them. And Steve said, that's exactly how I think about it. That's why I don't do any market research. I don't, how can I ask a cons consumer what a, a, a computer ought to be when they've never used a computer before? And so both of those geniuses had great intuition. And you combine it with a respect for science and bringing great talent in with technology and things like that. Uh, and you combine that with great intuition. That's what makes a difference with a Steve Jobs or a uh, Bill Gates or Dr. Land or Jeff Bezos or yeah, Elon Musk. I mean, these guys have just amazing intuition, which is shaped by their brilliance and their first principles. I mean, I could go all day. I mean, you're, you, you just went from telling a story of you, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates at 11 o'clock at night, let's say, discussing hardware versus software. Then you go to the Kodak CEO or founder talking about, I don't invent products. I just bring them to life. Just think about it. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. And seems like, yeah, 
that makes sense. I can't do, you know, market surveys because, you know, people don't know. We have to bring it to life. And I mean, I, I, I want to like dig in your head and get more of these stories behind the scenes and even talk about the, we have to bring you on again because I know um, they have a, we have another, I guess, Tim Draper coming on to talk Bitcoin at 105. You, do you know Tim Draper? Yes, sure. Yeah, so he's coming on to talk. You know, he's wonderful, a big, wonderful. Well, that'll be a great interview. He's a big. He's but, a but big just coming back. coming back to to how do I choose what I work on now? Yeah, uh, I've been spoiled. Yeah, because I've worked with just some amazing, talented leaders, and so uh, what I look for, and it's what I found in Bob Hariri, uh, they have to have that uh, intuition. They have to have that passion. Uh, yes, he's a great scientist. Yes, he has PhDs and an MD. You know, yes, he, he pilots his own you know, jet plane. Uh, yes, he's done all these things. But what really hooked me was his passion and intuition of how he thought about biology. Now, I didn't grow up uh, as biology in my background, but, but I'm deeply curious about biology because if I were in university today, you know, I would have majored in biology and data science. You know, I wouldn't have majored in computer science. Uh, and so when I meet somebody from the life science world uh, who has that passion and insight and intuition, that's how I get hooked. Because I think I can help that kind of leader because I've you know, been around people like that before. That's okay. I got it. And that's, yeah. And you've worked for some successful Bobs, right? Bob Metcalf as well. Oh yeah. Uh, Bob Metcalf is uh, the inventor of Ethernet is one of my uh, very closest friends and, and Bob, Oh, yeah. he told me about 15 years ago, he said, you know, John, people like you and me, as we get older, we need to reinvent ourselves. So I thought back to when uh, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs told me about their noble cause to change, change the world. And I said, I'm going to find a noble cause. because I'd never heard the words noble cause uh, in business before I met Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. And so I said, I'm going to go into the $4 trillion healthcare industry. Uh, I don't know anything about it, but then I didn't know anything about computers either when I went, went to Silicon Valley. And I said, I'm curious, I'm willing to work hard, and I'm pretty good at networking. And um, so I've been in this for about 15 years. And so uh, that's my passion. That's why I keep you know, still doing these things. Yep. And $4 trillion is a good TAM, right? Good uh, total addressable market. So yeah, it's a good industry that's, to be in. Absolutely. Right? But, but you know what makes, makes it fun for me? I've just got a, a wonderful wife, but she's a wonderful partner. She's, she, she's a truly brilliant uh, uh computer engineer and, and mathematician. Uh, we do everything together. And it just means that we don't really have a hard line between work and fun. Yeah, no, I hear you. That, that's awesome. Where are you based out of? Palm Beach, Florida. It looks like All the right. whole world is coming to us. Everybody's moving to Palm Beach, Florida. Yeah, one of our one of our investors uh, who owns the Cavaliers and Rocket Mortgage, he just yeah. moved, he got a place in Palm Beach too. I'll have, to pay, I'll have to pay him a visit down there and then we'll come do an in-person interview because there's so many stories you could tell that. People, oh yeah. Well, the, the uh, people down, you know, Palm Beach used to be a place where people came to retire. Now it's where there's just incredible networking. I mean, like 800,000 people have moved out of New York in, in recent years. A lot of them are coming to Florida. Many yep. of the, uh, you know, most, uh, important in, in the business world are coming to Palm Beach. And so this yep. community is, is alive and well with investors and ideas and, and people trying to you know, reinvent uh, so many different industries. And so I couldn't be living in a more fun place. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, thank you, Mr. Scott. It's like quite an honor. I remember when I was in year, in year 2000 doing a mark, my marketing 
corporate strategy at Roth School of Business at Michigan on yeah. Apple. And I remember those like I remember those days like yesterday. And I'm actually talking to John Scully. So it's just like a pinch me moment. Well, Jason, thank you so much for inviting me. Congratulations on on the success that you're having with this network. Yeah, the company's really we went we were about 20 people two years ago. Now we're about 110. Wow. We have, and we have 30 or 130. We have we have 30 million like readers a month now well, and, and subscribers. I love those kind of stories. I mean, yeah, it, it shows you what makes America great. I'm a capitalist. Yeah, I believe particularly in entrepreneurial capitalism. And so my special interest is not, uh, I would never go work in a big corporation uh, anymore. In fact, I never went to a big corporation. I always went to small corporations that became big corporations. Yeah. Um, but, but my uh, love in life and business is um, working with entrepreneurial capitalists who are building new things, finding better ways to do things. And you guys are a wonderful example. of that. Same thing. We look at old media sort of sunsetted a little bit. And we're trying to bring innovation. Our whole goal as a business is to make information easier to consume. So yep. that when you want to read why a stock has moved, you get the who, what, where, why. You don't get a thousand words of BS. We yeah. get the real facts because we millennials and next gen investor wants to, the, to know it right away. And so if we can serve that and make information easier to consume, we believe we can win. And win means more market share, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I love that way of, of thinking. I mean, what the young investors are doing is basically reinventing the industry of you know, That's true. What what is the stock market? What is the trading systems? How how, how do you uh, make decisions? And and the way decisions are being made and the speed at which uh, value is created, I mean, we've never had a precedent like this before. Absolutely. Well, this was awesome, John. This was awesome. I could, yeah. I mean, the, the I mean, I can imagine what Steve Jobs would do to the investing space these days and like changing. Well, he'd come in and reinvent that too, I'm sure. But Jason, yeah. what a, what a pleasure yeah. it's been to be on your show. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. All right. All right, guys. That was John Scully. Awesome. American uh, Titan, American icon, business icon. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.